Hi, I'm Cynthia Khan, founder of Amuse Now, and I'm here today with eclectic singer-songwriter Joe Pagano. Hey, Joe. Hi, Cynthia. It's great to be here with you today. It's terrific seeing you, too. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Very excited about the new release. Uh, again, uh, it's great to be here. Yes, Joe. I want to congratulate you on the success of your debut EP of musical sketches, Graveyard of Dreams. Thank you again, Cynthia. The album's been in the making for a number of years, and it's finally available to the public and for the world to hear. The initial reviews have been incredibly favorable and generous, I'd have to say. Uh, it made me glad that we made the decision just this past December to release seven of the songs that I call Artistic Sketches as an EP, which will be available worldwide on Feb 28th. So it's a really exciting time. Yes, I absolutely love the two tracks, Don't Let Chances Pass You By and Candles of Hope and Faith. So why don't you tell me about those two songs? Well, I love those songs, too. Uh, the song Chances is really about the idea that there are so many good things going on in the world around us each and every day, uh, so many chances to meet new and interesting people, to help others, to take the time to smell the roses, as they say, to appreciate the small things, and to really enjoy what life has to offer while doing the right things even in the smallest of ways. So it's a bit of a contrast, Cynthia, with all the negative news and the headlines that we're bombarded with every day. Uh, as I was writing the song, I wondered, do we really let life pass us by, or do we take advantage of all of the opportunities or chances that we have every day? Uh, do we run so fast that not only the small things in life, but the big things pass us by without even us realizing it? So we often make quick judgments about people without even getting to know them. If we could just try and listen a little bit harder, I think the world would be a much better place. So that was the idea of the song, to look beyond the headlines, beyond the surface, and you'll find that people are generally good-natured. Don't let life pass you by, even on a rainy day. There's sunshine and above them clouds, right? And then the song Candles was inspired by a trip I made to Asia a few years back, and I witnessed poverty firsthand, and that was really a life-changing experience. I saw so many young women, uh, many were teenagers with their own children living in poverty, but really looking closely after the children wherever they went. They were trying to make enough money to survive, yet they would dream of being able to afford an education for their children so that they could have a better life. So the observation that I made was that regardless of how well off or how poor you are, you live for your kids and you dream about their future. You'll do anything for them. So to me, dreams never die, and in fact, they can provide a roadmap to life. So this song was inspired by how I've seen people persevere under the harshest conditions, keeping a positive outlook on life, keeping their faith, keeping their hope alive, and even sending their kids away to save them. I had originally recorded this song as a full band rendition, but I felt that the solo version sounded a lot better and it had uh, more emotion as it was delivered. So that's the one I ended up putting on the record, but I do plan on re-recording the full band version for hopefully the next album. Wow, that's great. Those songs are terrific and there's so much meaning behind them. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, you try to tell a story in every song uh, that you write, and I hope that folks who listen uh, will follow on that. Joe, you have such a unique sound. To me, your music has a 
classic British rock flair. How would you describe it? Well, it's interesting that you picked up on that, Cynthia. It's kind of like creating your own art that you hang in your house, not thinking it's ever going to be distributed. You know, art that you created maybe based on your experiences and your observations, maybe filling a void in what you like to listen to as an artist. I did listen to a lot of British bands growing up, so maybe that's where some of the sound in my head comes from as I'm writing. Who can we credit as your major music influences? Well, you know, I've had such diversity in exposure to different musicians over the years. The first influence was my dad, who played jazz, he played country, and he even played bluegrass. He worked several jobs when I was a kid, uh, but he did find the time to give me a few uh, chord lessons here and there, and then he let me play his Chet Atkins Country Gentleman, one of the most famous guitars ever. The Beatles used that one in an early PV Classic tube amp. I think the thing uh, maybe maxed out at 10 watts or so, but it was great back then. Uh, you know, beyond that, I never had much real music instruction, just a few lessons here and there. But I did get a hold of Steve Miller's Book of Dreams album as a teenager, and I learned that record note for note, every song. And a few years later, I actually met Steve Miller at a Les Paul show in New York City. And I told Steve that he was my guitar idol and that I had learned to play guitar from the Book of Dreams album. And he didn't spend a nanosecond. He jumped right in and joked and said, hey, you know, if I was your idol, Joe, uh, I've got to apologize for screwing you up, but it, at least it looks like you made out okay. So he really had a great sense of humor. And uh, he's actually, Les Paul, um, uh, you know, is, is in the family with, with Steve in the sense that Les was Steve's godfather. So that's why they were playing together that night at the Iridium in New York City. And I got to meet both of them and they signed a t-shirt for me, and Steve signed the t-shirt first, and it had a, uh, a picture of Les Paul on it, and then Les signed it second, and he drew an arrow to his own picture. This is Les, showing that the picture was of Les and not Steve, and they were joking with each other. So it was such a great experience, great exposure uh, to some of the world's uh, best musicians. But then, uh, you know, you have the Beatles, you have John Lennon, the Kinks, Pink Floyd, Tom Petty, Cheryl Crow, I could go on and on, just a long list of exposure that I've had. So I feel that I'm blessed to uh, have been introduced to all of these different kind of sounds as I was uh, learning the creative process. You have met some very interesting people because your bio says that it was guitar legend Stanley Jordan who inspired you to release your own original music after attending one of his amazing workshops. What happened there? Right. It, it's exactly right. It had been so many years since we had gone to the Iridium to see a show. So this summer, uh, my dad and I went to see Stanley Jordan uh, at the Iridium in New York City. It's one of our favorite places to go see talent. It's a nice, intimate setting. So after the show was over, Stanley met with us, and he was really conversational. He was asking about you know how it was going and what we were doing. Uh, we had seen him a few times before. And then he invited us to attend a music workshop that he was teaching in New York City the very next day. So what are we going to do? You know, we cleared the calendar. We're like, of course, Stanley, you know, we'll be there. What time? What do we need to bring? Uh, we couldn't believe that he invited us. And it turned out that there were only six students or attendees in this class. And we got to spend three and a half hours with the master himself. So to our surprise, the workshop turned out to be a life lesson 
in the process of artistic creation. The discipline of writing and practicing and the idea that you can use these methods in the wisdom that Stanley had learned throughout his life as a musician, a businessman, and even a computer scientist and apply all of that learning across a number of professional industries. So just like Steve Jobs, Stanley figured out the intersection of art and science and he helped me realize that music is a tool for life and life is a tool for music. Then he asked me what my musical goals were and I mentioned quite humbly that you know someday I want to take these sketches that I've been working on and maybe release them out to the world and he was really encouraging and we even corresponded on email after that workshop. Wow, what an experience. I <laughs> Joe, you've been playing music your entire life, as you said. You've played in multiple bands, and you also took a songwriting lesson taught by Berklee College of Music's Pat Pattinson that also opened even more creative doors. Tell us some of the highlights of your music career, because you have such a terrific background. Yeah, there's so many stories, uh, and that's exactly right, Cynthia. Since Stanley had inspired me just this past June, I saw this online course come up in my email, and it was a songwriting course that I took in July that was taught by Pat Pattison of the Berkeley School of Music. Pat's one of the best instructors in the world, and as a final assignment in this course, I wrote, wrote the title track, Graveyard of Dreams, which is a short story about Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood from the perspective of the palm trees and what they might have seen over all these years, if you could just imagine. Uh, Pat's an amazing individual. I've never run into anyone who could better explain the songwriting process and have so much knowledge and experience around the art of lyric development. And I thought that was something I needed to really focus on. So I could have never written that title track without taking instruction from Pat. I still didn't feel I was quite ready to do an EP, but then in December I asked my daughter Julia, who's applying to colleges this year, uh, she's looking at film and photography, and I said, hey, you know, if I were ever to release an EP, would you want to help uh, work on the art for the album art there? And she said, of course, you know, I, I'd love to do that. So right on the spot, I said, oh my goodness, I think we're going to go do this record. You're going to be the creative director. And then we got serious about doing it. So it was a very hectic few weeks through the holidays doing the final track work, the mixing, engineering, mastering, getting distribution set up, but it was great fun. My daughter gets her first professional credit. So this is certainly a highlight for me as the reviews are coming in uh, very positively so far. The feedback has been great. Even uh, a Grammy nominee a couple of weeks ago had looked at the album, reviewed it for me, and he thought it was fantastic. So I'm very excited about that. I feel reborn uh, as a musician in a sense. Uh, as many years ago, my college band End Control released a dance single called Cecilia, and it had a funk and dance sound to it, got some radio play, and I got to play the lead guitar in that one. We found out just a few weeks ago that it steamed a rare vinyl record on the Discogs website, so this is kind of a, a rebirth for me. I've also had the chance to play live in front of clouds, crowds uh, over the years with as many as 11,000 people in the audience. But that was a pretty scary thing for me with some stage fright there. I did okay, but I much prefer to play smaller venues. But this EP record uh, that we're releasing now is the absolute highlight of my musical career. And it's really opened doors for me to make more music. So couldn't be more excited about that. 
And I also love that you're a multi-generational creative family handing down your <laughs> creative process from father to son to daughter. That's so amazing. It's terrific. <laughs> it is kind of a family project. A few people have, have said that and, you know, we kind of stumbled into it and it seems to be working out great. With all your terrific experience and because Amuse Now is about artists helping artists, what advice do you have for other artists who are maybe making a comeback or at a later stage trying to reignite their music careers? Well, I would say don't write songs with commercialization in mind. Definitely study, though. You, you, you should study the art and science of songwriting, but take a much stronger bias towards the art side of things. You know, it's okay to have song structures that are common, that grab the imagination of the listener, but be original and go with what sounds best to you. Pat Patterson would teach his structure, but say that there are really no rules. You know, do what sounds right. You know, over, override those things that you might think uh, you need to do that are textbook in songwriting. Uh, also, take full advantage of all the low-cost technology there is in the world to capture ideas and even record parts of songs so that you can index them into a personal library. That's been very useful for me. New artists today uh, don't always realize how good they have it with all this digital power at their fingertips. Just 15 or 20 years ago, much of the capabilities in a personal computer didn't exist around recording. And they would also cost 10 times or more to go into a studio and do what you can do today uh, at home. Now even your mobile phone could be a complete recording studio and a songwriting studio. Stanley also taught me that you have to believe in the music and the songs that you're writing yourself. If you don't believe in your own music, how can you expect others to believe? So songs need to, to tell a story, to be written from the heart, and you should also think about listening to the feedback that you get from others. But at the end of the day, don't forget that you're the artist, you're the boss who can override feedback and decisions around your musical future. And I always say, remember that the Beatles were turned down by Decca Records in 1962. This is true. And they turned out just fine. <laughs> I've heard that before, too. So a lot of people use them as an example to keep going and pursue your dreams and do what you feel is right because if you don't believe it how are you going to convince someone else right and when times get tough as a musician uh, you just look back there's so many stories to draw upon uh, across the industry for folks that persevered and you know really stuck to their guns what they believe was right now that you're debut EPs releasing what is up next for Joe Pagano well, I look forward to having the chance to write and produce a follow-on record as I have lots of material in various stages of the writing process, many more sketches, as I said earlier. Based on the strong reception so far of Graveyard of Dreams, I think that people uh, will want to hear what else I have in store in the future. So I look forward to that. Joe, I had a terrific time getting to know you today. So did I, Cynthia. It's been really great, and I enjoyed the discussion today. Thank you so much for the time and for all the thoughtful questions. My pleasure. Well, if you ever get out to this Pacific Northwest, let me know because I would love to see you live. You always seem to have a lot of interesting people around you. <laughs> well, I do, and I do have some friends out that way, so I look forward to getting to meet in person. Have a great day. All right, you too, Cynthia. Take care.
Hi, I'm Cynthia Kahn, founder of Amuse Now. This featured artist presentation has been brought to you by Amuse Now Entertainment, a website that enables artists to profit from their creativity. To learn more about Amuse Now, visit us at www.amusednow.com or email me at ccon at amusenow.com.